All right, Liz Wheeler Show, episode 434, take one. I just want to start this show by saying that you guys are the absolute best. The absolute best. You have sent my book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids, up the Amazon bestseller charts already. This is only the second day that it's been out. I appreciate you guys more than you can possibly know. You mean the world to me. If you haven't gotten your copy of my book, go to hideyourchildrenbook.com or go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or walk into your local bookstore. It is now on the shelves, as long as they haven't hidden it behind Hillary Clinton's book or something. Get your copy of Hide Your Children and then let me know what you think. I wanna hear your feedback, your criticism, your thoughts, your feelings. I wanna hear everything of what you think. Go to hideyourchildrenbook.com. So this is one of the most interesting stories that I have come across all day. I find this fascinating. This is an article over at Newsweek that's reporting on a new poll related to the 2024 presidential election, but it's not just related to Joe Biden and Donald Trump or any of the other Republican contenders, you know, the normal polls that we see. This poll has to do with Robert Kennedy Jr.'s approval rating and how likely voters would be to cast their ballot for him if he were to secure the Democratic nomination or if he were to run as an independent. And this is where this gets so interesting to me because it looks from these numbers, if RFK ran as an independent, because even though he has what, like 20% of the Democrat vote, maybe even a little bit more than that, um, pulling it away from Biden, he's not gonna win the Democratic nomination. Biden is going to win that. RFK Jr. is not gonna win, but listen to this. This is what Newsweek writes. If the Democrats and Republicans nominate Biden and Trump, respectively, and Kennedy runs as an independent, 33% of Democrat voters would likely vote for him, according to the poll, including 14% who would be very likely to back him. So essentially what this poll is saying is RFK would be a major spoiler for Biden. He would not spoil on Biden's behalf, but he would spoil Biden's chances if he ran as a third party or an independent. And I find this fascinating because it shows uh, an additional depth of how much voters dislike Joe Biden because voters aren't stupid. We know that if you cast your your vote for a third party candidate, just like in 2016, when some Republicans voted for Evan McMullen or whoever else ran against him as a third party candidate, this ends up spoiling for the major party candidates. So the fact that 33% of Democrat voters are so unhappy with Joe Biden, so mad that he's going to be their nominee in 2024, that they would potentially cast their vote for a man who still wouldn't win the presidency, even if he were to run as an independent, but it would spoil Biden's chances, this blows my mind. There's actually a sizable number of Republicans who would also vote for RFK Jr. if he were to run as a Republican, if, if in, I guess, instead of voting for Donald Trump. This is what Newsweek says. Among likely voters as a whole, 25% say they would likely vote for Kennedy if he runs against Biden and Trump, including 14% of Republicans, with 10% saying they are very likely to cast their ballots this way. So there's a sizable chunk of both Democrats and Republicans who are dissatisfied with the idea of, of Biden or Trump and who would cast their ballot for a third party candidate. Now, the difference here is 14% of Republicans, that is a pretty large number of Republicans to say that they would vote for a third-party candidate, but it's nothing compared to 33%. A a third of Democrat voters, one out of every three Democrat voters would vote for RFK, which leaves me sitting here hoping that RFK will run as an independent 
please, sir, please run as an independent, please run as a third party. Because even assuming that 14% of Republicans did choose not to vote for Trump and instead voted for RFK as an independent, you subtract 33, you subtract 14 from 33, you still have a 20 point differential in how many Democrats have abandoned the Democrats versus how many Republicans have abandoned the Republicans. And that is far more than enough to swing the election in favor of Donald Trump. That's one of the greatest thing that I've ever seen. Now, do I think this is realistic? Probably not. I think RFK has already faced, last week I believe it was, that assassination attempt. Joe Biden refuses to provide him Secret Service protection even though he's a presidential candidate. Obviously, it's, it's a personal. Obviously, Biden is depriving him of that security even though his father and his uncle one who was president, one who was attorney general and running for president were assassinated while in office. Joe Biden has deprived RFK Jr. this this Secret Service protection because he's angry and resentful that RFK is challenging him in the Democratic primary. It's so evil of Joe Biden because RFK's life is under threat. At At that rally he was hosting a week or so ago, there was an assassin who showed up pretended to be a member of RFK Jr.'s security team in order to be able to infiltrate the event. And thank goodness members of RFK security didn't fall for this. They recognize, hey, you are not acting according to our procedures. This is a red flag. They captured him and saved RFK Jr.'s life. But this security detail, RFK Jr. is paying for, not Joe Biden. If RFK Jr. were to take it one step further, if he were not just to challenge Joe Biden in the primary, but if he were to run as a third party candidate as an independent, I would be far more worried that assassination attempts like the one that he's already experienced would become more credible and more prevalent. I would be very, very worried for RFK's life. At the same time, while I don't want anything bad to happen to RFK, obviously, and I hope he has security to protect himself, I would really like him to run as a third party candidate and as an independent purely because I hope that he would spoil Joe Biden's chances of ever getting anywhere near the White House again. And by the way, the reason I don't want Biden near the White House again is not just because he's a doddering old fool. It's not just because he sniffs people and is a total creep. It's because we yet again are faced with proof that Joe Biden is corrupt to the core. The House Oversight Committee released additional information about how Hunter Biden sold access to Joe Biden. And it's, it's, The evidence is right there. You can't deny it unless you are so despicable and so dishonest, like many Democrats are, that you would rather have an actual crook in the White House selling our country out than entertain the idea that Joe Biden is not fit for office. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at seven. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on The First TV. Watch The First on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial 
wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So the House Oversight Committee announced today on their X.com account that they had discovered more proof, as if we needed any more proof, that the Joe, that Joe Biden's family, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, are absolutely corrupt. They were working hand in glove to collect money from hostile foreign nations around the world. And they were selling access to Joe Biden in the White House in exchange for this money. This is what the House Oversight Committee posted. They said a few months after Joe Biden announced his candidacy in 2019, so this was after he was vice president, but he was running for president in 2019, information available to the House Oversight Committee shows that Hunter Biden received two wires from China for $250,000 and $10,000, including from a man named Jonathan Lee. More alarming, the wires have Joe Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, as the beneficiary address. Weeks after those payments were made, Hunter's lawyer, George Mesiris, said that Hunter Biden served with BHR, the Chinese company, quote, only as a member of its board of directors, which was purportedly a, quote, unpaid position. Here's the breakdown of events. From 2009 through 2017, during his time as vice president and prior to later payments to Hunter Biden, Evidence shows Joe Biden developed a familiar relationship with Jonathan Lee. Devin Archer, a Biden business associate, described how Joe Biden met with Jonathan Lee for coffee in Beijing, China, had a phone call with him, and wrote college recommendation letters for his children. On April 25th of 2019, Joe Biden announced his candidacy in the 2020 presidential election. Fast forward just a couple of months to July 26, 2019, Wang Jin wired $10,000 with Joe Biden's home listed on the wire. Then on August 2nd of 2019, Jonathan Lee, the same man that Biden had a, a familiar relationship with, wired $250,000 with Joe Biden's home address listed on the wire. So then you fast forward to October 13th, 2019, and Hunter Biden's lawyer, George Mesiris, stated in part, that Hunter Biden served with BHR only as a member of its board of directors, which was purportedly an unpaid position. But in October, on October 22nd, to be specific, of 2020, during a presidential debate, Joe Biden said, and I quote, my son has not made money in China. As the House Oversight Committee concludes their post, it says, it has your home address on the wires, sir. Joe Biden's address was on the wires that were sending $250,000 and $10,000 to Hunter Biden while Joe Biden was running for president after Joe Biden had created a familiar relationship with these Chinese businessmen who were paying Hunter, even though Hunter's lawyer said he worked for the company without being paid. How much evidence do we need, people? I, I appreciate the House Oversight Committee's reporting on this. I appreciate their investigation. But what's the next step here? I'm, I'm getting to the point where my tolerance for smoking gun information has reached, its, has reached its breaking point. We have the information, so use it. Impeach Joe Biden already. How long are we gonna tolerate the fact that we all know, Republicans know it, Democrats know it, all the politicians in Washington, D.C. know it, most voters know it, that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were collecting money from foreign adversaries around the world in exchange for access to Joe Biden. 
We have the proof of it. What are we going to do about it? If the answer to this is nothing but use it as campaign talking points, that infuriates me. That's so frustrating. It's so disillusioning if this is how the Republican Party is going to handle it. I do not want to see another repeat of Donald Trump's lock her up chance all summer in 2016, only for Donald Trump to take office in January 2017 and him to drop the whole thing. Oh, we're not gonna prosecute her because we don't wanna look like we're going after a political enemy. But she broke the law. She broke the law and put our national security at risk. I don't wanna see that. I don't wanna see that ever again. We have proof, use it to prosecute Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Otherwise, our free nation is at risk. And by the way, some other political candidates in the country, like Gavin Newsom, governor of California, I think secretly hope that Biden is kicked out of office. That because either he's become too senile, because this corruption becomes too much for the Democratic Party to handle, and he resigns, or because Donald Trump defeats Joe Biden. Gavin Newsom is setting himself up to run for president. I don't know if it's going to be in 2024. Probably not at this point. All the candidates running in 2024 are already declared. You wouldn't join the race at this point. Maybe he's setting himself up for 2028. It's going to be here before you know it. Think about how, how 2016 feels like yesterday. That was almost eight years ago. 2028 will be here before you know it. Gavin Newsom is setting himself up to run by vetoing a bill in the California, that came to him from the California State Legislature. It was AB 957. It was a bill that would have forced courts and judges to take into consideration in custody disputes between two parents, whether one of the parents or both of the parents, quote unquote, affirm the gender identity or gender expression of their child. And this bill would have forced judges to take custody away from a parent who didn't want to trans their kid and give custody, give preferential custody to the parent that agreed to pharmaceutically or surgically mutilate their child in the name of gender identity. It's a horrendous bill. The fact that the California state legislature actually passed this and sent it to the desk of their governor for signature should horrify us all to our core. Gavin Newsom, in a somewhat surprising move, vetoed this, and this is what he wrote. He said to the members of the California State Assembly, I am returning Assembly Bill 957 without my signature. The legislation would require a court when determining the best interests of a child in a child custody or visitation proceeding to consider, among other comprehensive factors, a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity or gender expression. I appreciate the passion and values that led the author to introduce this bill, Newsom writes, I share a deep commitment to advancing the rights of transgender Californians, an effort that has guided my decisions through many decades in public office. That said, I urge caution when the executive and legislative branches of state government attempt to dictate in prescriptive terms that single out one characteristic legal standards for the judicial branch to apply. Other-minded elected officials in California and other states could very well use this strategy to diminish the civil rights of vulnerable communities. Moreover, a court under existing law is required to consider a child's health, safety, and welfare when determining the best interests of a child in these proceedings, including the parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity. For these reasons, I cannot sign the bill. Sincerely, he signs it, Gavin Newsom. Now, 
I'm not saying that we can't celebrate a minor win when we're handed a minor win. This is a good thing that Gavin Newsom vetoed this bill. I'm glad he did. It's better for the children of California. It's better for the parents of California. It's better for California and our country that this bill is vetoed. But don't for a second fall for the idea that Gavin Newsom is a moderate. First of all, he says that this can already be enforced, that judges can already take into consideration whether a parent, quote unquote, affirms gender identity during custody proceedings. So in a sense, Gavin Newsom is just saying, well, this bill is moot because they can already do that. But the real reason that he's vetoing this is because this bill provides a perfect talking point for concerned parents. And I say concerned parents because it's not just Republicans and conservatives. This is parents across the board to use against him. It's a, a one-sentence soundbite. Gavin Newsom signed a law that would take custody away from parents if parents refused to trans their kids. Make no mistake, that would be the most effective political ad against Newsom that you could possibly imagine. And Gavin Newsom doesn't want that because Gavin Newsom wants to be president, if not in 2024, then in 2028. So he's not moderate. He's not common sense. He doesn't disagree with the premise of this bill. He just sees it as a political liability the way it was presented. And he is nothing but a political opportunist and a complete and total radical. And I'll show you why. Because something else he did with the California schools shows his true colors. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. So as Gavin Newsom pretends to be a moderate by vetoing this bill that would require courts to give custody to the parent that was willing to trans their child, Gavin Newsom simultaneously is trying to penalize schools that prohibit pornographic books or sexually explicit books from being handed to children from public school libraries. This is what Gavin Newsom tweeted on September 26th. He said, California has now banned the extremist book bans the GOP are pushing. We will be fining schools that block textbooks and school library books for discriminatory reasons. Now, of course, his verbiage is a euphemism. These books that parents across the aisle, again, it's not just conservative parents, not just Republicans, parents do not want their children reading are sexually graphic books like genderqueer that, are, that depict perverse sex acts. No one wants their first grader, second grader, and third grader having access to that book let alone having a school librarian recommend it to them. Parents don't want their children reading a book, again, recommended by the school library that teaches that white children are racist based only on the color of their skin and not their character or their actions or their thoughts or their beliefs, and that black children are oppressed based only on their skin color and not on any, anything real. Parents don't want these books in school libraries, and Gavin Newsom is going to penalize he is going to financially penalize via fines any parents who enact bans on these books being shown to their children. And I know that I know the Democrats and the left right now have latched on to this term book ban because they think people will be really turned off by the idea of book banning. You only see that in the Soviet Union. You only see that in communist China, book bans, burning books. That's not what this is. 
No one is prohibiting these books from being sold. You can sell it on Amazon if you want. No one's prohibiting these books from being owned. You can keep it in your private collection if you want. But there's a difference between owning something in a private collection or publishing something and offering it for sale or giving it away for free. There's a difference between that and taxpayers buying these books that are offered in the public school system to small children. And Gavin Newsom might think we're too stupid to be able to tell the difference. He might think that this is a political fight that he can win because his public opinion polling firms and consultants tell him that people don't like the idea of book bans, how Democrats have branded this effort by parents. But parents know better. Parents understand what they don't want their children to be looking at. And Gavin Newsom is actively working against parents to show them these poisonous things, the sexually explicit material and the critical race theory propaganda against the will of mom and dad. I don't think that's gonna sit well with his voters. Meanwhile, over on Fox News, we have an institution that a lot of us have known and loved for a long time. We've relied on Fox News for our, our news for the past, what is it, 20, 30 years now. They have been the bulwark against CNN and MSNBC, but something's happening over at Fox News. It's not just the firing of Tucker Carlson. Fox News has gone woke. It's not just the employee handbooks that we've had access to that show that they want to help employees create a public transition plan if they want to transition in the Fox News offices. Now Fox News is spreading their wokeness into their public, I want to say publications, I, this is hardly a news story, but into their public posts. Robbie Starbuck brought this to my attention, but Fox News posted a story, and this was the headline to the story. First trans NFL cheerleader compares role to becoming a doctor, says no one will stop this show. So I actually agree that this story is newsworthy because a biological man who is pretending to be a woman was hired by the NFL to dance with the female cheerleaders, and that's weird. It's grotesque. I don't think NFL fans want to watch that. But what's weird about this is if you look at Fox News's caption underneath, this was an Instagram post. If you look at Fox News's caption, they're calling this man a woman. They're indulging the delusion of this transgender individual. Listen to this caption. Give me a why. NFL's first trans cheerleader says she is setting things up for the younger generation. Her push to change the narrative is at the link in our bio. Why are you doing this, Fox News? Why would you call this man a woman? Why would you refer to this man as she and her when you know that this is a man? I don't even care as much about the positive spin that they put on this story. That's stupid. The readers are gonna reject it. It's not gonna indoctrinate the viewers and the readers of Fox News. It's just gonna cause them to leave Fox News but why would you do this? Why would you ruin an institution that so many of us have trusted and counted on for so many years? I can never turn Fox News on. I can never read Fox News articles when I know that they are taking an active part in the same sort of political effort that Gavin Newsom is in California. I mean, of all the places to be corrupted by this ideology, you would hope that Fox News would have been last in line. Evidently not. Maybe they're pursuing an ESG score. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know if it's the executives that have gone woke, whether they've been infiltrated by leftists or whether they are trying to pursue some ESG score. But there are other companies who are also pursuing ESG scores 
and they're virtue signaling by refusing to run advertisements on Rumble in the wake of the Russell Brand allegations. So in the wake of the allegations, the anonymous allegations that were published by British news organizations against Russell Brand, allegations that I'm not sure we should give credibility to unless these women want to state their names because I think it's fundamentally unfair to the accused to have to defend himself against allegations when he doesn't know who's making the accusation. So how's he supposed to know the context? How's he supposed to provide exculpatory evidence if it exists, if he doesn't know who's making the accusation against him? I think we should probably dismiss them unless these women are willing to come forward with their names. They also didn't go to law enforcement. They went directly to the media, which is a red flag. And they stated that their motivation for coming forward to the media was because Russell Brand's becoming so prominent on Rumble. So we can see that maybe this is tinged with political animosity. Maybe, just maybe, this is a concerted effort to silence Russell Brand because he is bucking the Hollywood elite, which is the world in which he became famous. He's pushing back against Pfizer. He's pushing back against the war in Ukraine. And the response to these allegations has been quite horrifying to watch. YouTube demonetized Russell Brand's his channel. He had millions and millions of followers. Demonetized it in the face of anonymous allegations, not a conviction not a criminal investigation, not an admission of guilt, but just an anonymous allegation, and they took his livelihood away. His book publisher put a quote-unquote pause on his book. His talent management agency dropped him. His comedy tour was put on hold. Can dates were canceled. He is he's having his career ruined based on anonymous allegations. And so, of course, he's saying, well, you can watch me on Rumble. Uh, this is not, I'm never going to be silenced. We're never going to stop talking. Come to a platform that actually supports free speech. And in response to this, there have been several companies uh, like Burger King and like HelloFresh who have pulled their advertisements off of Rumble, not just off of Russell Brand's show, not just off of his videos, but off of the channel as a whole because Rumble refuses to cave to the demands of the UK government who wanted to know if Rumble was, if, if Russell Brand was monetizing his content on Rumble, and if so, why Rumble hadn't stripped him of the ability to make a living based on these allegations. So next time you're thinking about eating at Burger King, next time you're thinking about signing up for HelloFresh, whose ads, by the way, I find pretty convincing, next time you're thinking about that, you remember that these companies, maybe in pursuit of their own ESG scores, maybe these, their executives are corrupted with wokeness for a different reason, but they are punishing this man without due process of law, and it's awful, and it's evil. Now, Project Veritas shut down their operations. This has been a saga that we have followed on this show since James O'Keefe separated from Project Veritas, and the two tossed-back allegations of misconduct. Project Veritas said James mishandled money. James said the board turned against him and you know, were, were corrupted by their own greed and, and desire for fame. Who knows exactly what really went down there? But after James was ousted, they brought in a new CEO, Hannah Giles, who within months of taking the helm at Project Veritas, shut the whole operation down. She spent all the money. She couldn't fundraise. Donors didn't want to give money to her. They only wanted to give money to Project Veritas that was run by James O'Keefe. And so Project Veritas completely shuts down. This is pretty shocking. I don't think a year ago, any of us could have imagined that we'd be facing this situation because Project Veritas gives us so much hope. Project Veritas was the one media organization that was willing to investigate true corruption, especially, you remember the Pfizer videos that we covered? They were 
bananas, shocking. We hadn't seen any journalism like that from any other organization in my memory. Yet Project Veritas, with just a couple dozen employees, pulled this off. Well, now the Project Veritas has shut down the legal defense fund that was funding, well, the legal defense for James O'Keefe and two other former Project Veritas journalists, Spencer Meads and Eric Cochran, is no more. Now, the reason James O'Keefe and Spencer Meads and Eric Cochran need a legal defense fund is because the Department of Justice is going after them unfairly over false allegations regarding Ashley Biden's diary. Because you'll remember several years ago, Project Veritas got access to Ashley Biden's diary. It was left at the home, uh, a rental home that Ashley Biden had stayed at when Ashley Biden left. She, she left her belongings behind. The owner of the home tipped off Project Veritas that, that these items had salacious allegations, or at least that's what was reported in this diary that Ashley had written about her father. Project Veritas acquired this diary but ultimately decided not to publish it. They ultimately decided not to do the story and they returned it to the police who returned it to Ashley Biden. But this did not stop the Department of Justice from conducting pre-dawn raids of James O'Keefe's home, Spencer Mead's home, and Eric Cochran's home. I mean, really freaky pre-dawn raids. And years later, these three young journalists are still dealing with the legal repercussions and financial ruin that comes with being targeted by Biden's Department of Justice. So they put out a video talking about what this means now that their legal defense fund has been drained, and I want to share it with you. Take a look. In November 2021, the FBI conducted pre-dawn raids upon myself and my journalistic colleagues, Spencer Meads and Eric Cochran, seizing cell phones, journalistic notes, and other devices this was all purported to be over an investigation that we were doing into the Ashley Biden diary, a story that we ended up never publishing. We were able to obtain video from one of the raids of Eric Cochran's house. Tell us about that. I woke up at 6 a.m. to banging on my door on November 4th, and the first thing I did was grab my undercover camera and open the door, and there was the FBI. And Spencer, also, they raided your house in New York City. Tell us a little about that. Around the same time, I also got a knock on my door. You can see in this footage, they broke my door to gain entry. Pretty terrifying. And then on Saturday, November 5th at 6 a.m., they banged on my door in Mamaroneck. I opened the door and there were, appeared to be nearly a dozen agents went through my things. A few months later, in March of 2022, we discovered that the United States government had issued secret warrants getting access to our emails, secretly reading our emails, concealing that from the court in our case against the SDNY, asking Microsoft, Uber, and Google for information about us as journalists, including emails between us and our attorneys. These secret warrants were stamped by various magistrate judges, and the Microsoft whistleblower brought that to our attention. Between November 2020 and April 2021, the Department of Justice went to six magistrates and obtained a series of secret warrants orders and a subpoena to surreptitiously collect privileged communications and contacts of eight American journalists, myself included, from Microsoft. The DOJ even sought and obtained numerous secrecy orders preventing Microsoft from disclosing the surveillance to anyone. 
The SDNY also went around Judge Torres and the special master and obtained two secrecy orders after the special master had been appointed. The Department of Justice attempted to gag Microsoft from even talking about these secret warrants even after we were raided by the FBI. The overstepping by the government and the Department of Justice was so egregious in its violation of our journalistic rights that even the ACLU deplored the government's violations of our press freedom. The ACLU and the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press has requested the affidavits be unsealed in our case so that we can see the probable cause the government used to seize our journalistic notes. In society, the American people should have a right to see the probable cause when the government takes such an extreme action to violate those First Amendment privileges. Whistleblower would later come out at the FBI, a source revealing the FBI referred to us as news media in their computer systems. What does SIM mean on this document? It says S-I-M news media. So SIM is a classification that means it's a sensitive investigative matter. And that basically affords the subject of the investigation with certain protections internally. Because it's sensitive, it could be a political figure, it could be someone in a church or a religious figure, it could be uh, a news media organization. And there are laws in this country, Attorney General Merrick Garland has prohibited forcibly seizing reporters' notes. Those laws seem to be violated in our case. When I was removed as the leader of Project Veritas in February, there were many millions of dollars in the bank account that I raised to help defend these journalists' legal defense funds, indemnifying them from these attacks by the government against the First Amendment rights. Since February, all of that money has been spent by Project Veritas, and they have announced they will no longer be indemnifying or helping us with our legal defense needs. But there is another 501c3 called Private Citizen, which will help fund these journalists' legal battle against government overreach. It's a registered tax-deductible 501c3 with board members who I trust and they are now funding our legal defense. You could make a donation to Private Citizen on our website. It's also on the O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. There have already been a few hundred thousand dollars raised, and we hope all of you match it. Support the rights of journalists because without the First Amendment, freedom is an illusion. I thank you for your support. I hope you make a tax-deductible donation today to Private Citizen, and thank you all. quite something, isn't it? To see what these young journalists have been subjected to for the so-called crime of reporting and investigating. In this case, they investigated and didn't even make a report. If you can, please join me in donating to their legal fund. It is a fund worth giving our money to because Project Veritas and these three journalists have done more for our country, more to expose corruption than anybody else that I can think of. I'll post a link on all of my social media platforms so you guys can donate as you see fit. I really appreciate it. I know that they appreciate it too. Guys, I want to thank you again for all the support that you've given me and my book over the past couple of days. It's been overwhelming and my heart is overflowing with gratitude. This is the book, once again, as if you couldn't see the million copies that I plastered all around my studio. Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. If you haven't already gotten your copy, you can get it now. You can walk into a bookstore. You can buy it in person. You can buy it online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you like to buy your books. 
And once you do buy it, once you read it, let me know what you think. I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear where you disagree. I want to hear what you've learned. I want to hear all of your thoughts. So um, get your copy at Hide Your Children Book or wherever you get your books. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. 